Welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Back in, I guess, February when the National Religious Broadcasters Convention was in Nashville, Tennessee, I ran into Sheila Irwin. Now, Sheila is the mom of the Irwin brothers, of course. The Irwins, right? Well, some of you know that John Irwin has been on this program in the past. We've interviewed him about the movies that he and his brother Andy have worked on, have created, directed, produced, written. And we'll get into that. But before we uh, go that far, let's welcome Sheila Irwin to our program today, the mom of Andy and John. Sheila, how are you doing? doing great. We're here in Franklin, Tennessee. When did Everybody, you, we all moved to Franklin. You moved to Franklin. So I know your roots are in Birmingham. Yes. How long ago did you move to Franklin? Uh, it was a year this week when the boys started Kingdom Story Company. They moved here to Franklin, and they wanted us to move as well. So we're all here in Franklin, Tennessee. Love it. Especially when you have grandkids. You want to be close to them, right? <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's a good enough reason to pick up and move, especially if you have— Absolutely. <laughs> no matter where your roots are, if you can be close to those grandkids. Let's just tell our friend, Sheila, that you have authored this book, Raising Up Dreamers— Find and Grow Your Child's God-Given Talents. Recently, you were on Focus on the Family, where you talked about your new book. You told me this book was coming out. I've been excited to have you on the program to talk about it. In addition to writing this book, you've had a ministry for many years in discipleship with other women, uh, speaking one-on-one, mentoring in a group Bible study setting. You've also worked as a teacher and then as a principal at a Christian school before stepping down from that role to become a stay-at-home mom. You and your husband, Hank, as I mentioned, have two grown sons. They're married, and those seven grandchildren. Are there more children than the seven now, or are we at seven? Just seven. (laughs) Seven's a perfect number. That's what my kids say. (laughs) Oh, seven is a perfect number. It is. Well, as I mentioned, John and Andy's film work, the Irwin Brothers, they have directed, produced movies such as Woodlawn, October Baby, Mom's Night Out, I can only imagine, I still believe, and I know they're constantly working on new projects as God directs. I remember John telling the story that the storytelling and filmmaking started back when they were kids. Your husband, Hank, was in the media, bought them their first camera. Through tinkering in his studio, they discovered they had a love for telling stories. But the really turning point that John shares was at youth camp that transformed their lives when a wiser man at camp told them, give God what's in your hand, let him figure out how to use it. That's some pretty good advice, Sheila. Yes, it was. It was transformational for Andrew uh, because they were committed to getting the gospel out all their lives and went to Word of Life up in New York. While there, uh, Andy was went to school there. It's a Bible, it's a Bible institute as well. And in the summer, they have camp on an island. I'll uh, bring about seven hundred kids a week uh, there. And once they were talking about what will you do with your life? Will you commit your life to follow Jesus in whatever He asks you to do? And Andy said, "I always thought that was going to be a, either a pastor, or a missionary, or you know something like that." But as I talked with someone that day, he said. Uh, Andy, and he had a camera in his hand because he'd been filming it, (laughs) and he said, Andy, what's that in your hand? And he said, it's a camera. And he said, ask God to use that. So Andy said, that gave me permission to say, oh, maybe God can work with me out of the box. Uh, Maybe this is, I love this so much, maybe that's what he's going to use is my ability to do this. And so that was kind of pivotal for them as well. You know, that's a great story. It reminds me a little bit about my story, because when I first became a Christian as a teenager, it was 
very life-changing, Sheila, from the life I had lived, single-parent home and other things in my life I'm kind of not proud to talk about. But God saved me miraculously as a teenager. I thought I had to become a preacher. In that same time, I had started, even as a teenager, working in radio. All these years later, here we are today, and God had a purpose to direct my life using broadcasting instead of the pulpit. So this is my pulpit, right? Absolutely. That happened to Hank as well. Hank was working at Shades Mountain Independent. He was on staff there, and he was started doing the radio show uh, there in Birmingham on his lunch hour, and it just grew bigger and bigger and bigger until it was a four-hour talk show. And he went to our pastor, who was also his mentor, and he said, essentially, Dick, I have two full-time jobs, and what do I need to do? Do I need to drop the radio station and just concentrate on the ministry here at the church or vice versa? Pastor Dick said to him, Hank, you have a bigger congregation (laughs) on radio than you could ever have here at the church. So that's when he went full-time with radio. I love that story. You know, I remember John telling me in a past interview that we did together, when he was 15 years old, he was assisting the ESPN camera crew at the Alabama football games. Now, did you drive him to the stadium to do that job? Hank did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hank did. Uh, he had a young man that was mentoring him that's, that's in the book. But he had a young man that was mentoring him uh, named Michael Mike Falgu, and he worked for ESPN and all these different venues. Uh, he was a, a handheld cameraman, and he spent time with John. He also helped Hank with his he Hank had a television show by that time, and he helped do a lot of his shows as well. And he began to invest in John. Andy was already in Bible at the Bible Institute, and Mike really began to spend more and more time with John. And so he called John one day, and, and he said, We are in a pinch here. One of the guys has called in. He can't come in to work. And we're fixing to go on the air in about two hours. Can you be here? And he said, and John, whatever you do, unless they ask you, don't tell them how old you are. <laughs> so he was 15. My. He fell in love with it. He fell in love with it. Well, your son Andy says, I really love this, Sheila. The Christian life was always framed for us as the great adventure. In what ways did you and Hank create that environment in your home? Well, we talked about it. For one thing, I, you know, I see homes where Jesus is not a part of the, the daily conversation. Um, and he was at our home. He was just like another person there. We talked to him. We talked about him. We we shared the Word of God. We laughed a lot. We had fun. But, but we also brought Jesus into everything uh, that we did. And so because of that, and, and Hank, one of his motto is, life's a great adventure. Yeah, And we would say that to the kids, you know, this is a great adventure. And sometimes that meant it was going to be tough, but that it was going to be God's adventure for us to walk through as a family. Sometimes it meant it was going to be something really exciting and fun, and God was going to let us walk through that adventure as well. But we didn't want our children to think that that the Christian life was second rate, that, oh, you know, we can't do this and we can't do that and we can't do this. Although there are things we don't do as believers, correct? Oh, that's so true. At the same time, there is this excitement over life that God is going to bring us to things and bring us through things and grow us up. And it's exciting and it's fun. And God is going to do things that we can't even imagine or dream of. Oh, my goodness, Sheila. That was kind of our theme of our home was life's a great adventure, along with our other theme for our home was to know him and to make him known. So everything that we did, we tried to put in that 
category. How can this help us to know him better? And how can it make others come to know him or want him? Yes. So we lived like that as a family. Oh, I love that. The late Elizabeth Elliot, who has been on the show in the past, she said that the Christian life is more different than you realize. It's more difficult than you realize. And it is more glorious than you realize, too. All that tied together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you stepped down, as I mentioned, from a professional career in education so you could homeschool your sons. What was the biggest challenge for making that decision? And were there days that you regretted giving up that career? Never. We had already decided when we got married that once we had children that I would be home. And so we were at Dallas Seminary, and um, I got pregnant with Andrew, and I was I had been principal for several years at Gofield Christian School. You know, I told them, as, as you know, once Andy was born, that that would be my last day with, or last time with them, although I did continue one day a week for six months to help the new principal coming on board to get her acclimated to, to everything at the school. But that was our decision then. Now, then the homeschool was another decision that we made, because I thought Christian school was as good as it got, uh, because that had been my background, and and private school was what we had our children in private school. But when Hank went full-time with the radio station, things changed because our education had been free, (laughs) because he was on staff at the church where the school was. Uh, And at that point, we couldn't afford to have two boys in private school. Um, And so that was when we prayed about, and I decided to homeschool, along with the fact that we found out that John was ADHD and that he really needed to come home. Um, so bringing John home, John says it saved his life. And the other thing was that he went from reading grade level. He was going into second grade. We tested him in reading second grade fifth month. By staying home for that year, at the end of that year, he could actually read eighth grade fifth month wow. because he didn't have all the distractions and he could flourish. And so I decided to homeschool. And that was a difficult transition in a lot of ways because the truth is, moms, if you decide to homeschool, you're giving up your free time where your children would be in school. Yeah, You're not going to have that time. Um, and you need to still you know, make time for things. Like I made sure I was always in a Bible study and those kinds of things. But, but essentially you're going to be teacher and mom, and that's difficult. It's a difficult balance. And then homeschooling is so different than teaching in a classroom. It's more of a one-on-one tutoring type thing, and so it was a transition for me that way. Uh, but it's my, my, one of the chapters in the book is I Can Do Hard Things, which I stole from my daughter-in-law. That's her thing <laughs> she says constantly. I can do hard things. And so that was where God taught me you can do hard things. And this is what I've called you to do for their sake. And I believe there would be no Irwin brothers had I not homeschooled my boys because they're four years apart. They would have been in different schools in different worlds. But because they were in the same world, God cultivated that relationship so that they could be partners in crime. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Sheila, you know, we all have people or someone specific that took an interest in us or invested time, thought, and talent into our lives. Now, Mrs. Joyce Yancey was one such lady in your life. How did she influence you the most? Oh, my. I was a new bride. I'd only been married three months, and I just had, you know, we, we'd we been working with Campus Crusade for Christ, and we thought we had, we had this thing together. You know, we'd learned to walk with Jesus as individuals, and then we got married, and it was like, oh, my goodness, there's two old sin natures in this house. 
not one that we've got to deal with. And I just really cried out to God that I needed somebody to help me navigate being a bride, being a wife, and how that really worked. I knew all the concepts, but I needed to see it work. And uh, Hank actually found Joyce for me. It was really sweet. He um, went to a Bible study and uh, for teenagers, and she was there. And he said, Sheila, there's a Bible study I really want you to go to, and I think you and this woman would really click. And so I started going to the Bible study. She mentored me. Uh, in fact, she was there for me until she went to be with the Lord about a year ago. And she just poured into my life. I spent a great deal of time with her. She taught me how to teach other women, how to mentor other women, as she mentored me, how to counsel women uh, as they walk through hardships and all those things. And she loved God's Word. And everything was based on the Word of God, not her opinion and not my opinion. But what does God say about it? So it transformed me. It transformed the way I parented. It transformed me as a wife as well. Oh, I love that spillover of blessings into your life from someone else. That is wonderful. Let's back up if we can. What was home life like for you, Sheila? Tell us something about how you were raised, what your mom and dad were like. What did your dad do? Uh, My dad was uh, entrepreneurial. He owned several businesses. But um, when I was growing up, he, he owned a community grocery store. So I grew up. Uh, one street behind there, and it was really a fun place to live. The church was not far away. Uh, I was saved as a six-year-old, brought up uh, in the church. Um, I come from, like, uh, on my mother's side, seven generations of pastors. So the walk with the Lord was there, although I did not learn how to truly walk with God because I thought it was up to me to live the Christian life. And at age 20, I found out that he had given me the Holy Spirit (laughs) to empower me to live the Christian life, and I began to understand that through Campus Crusade for Christ and some other venues, and we began to really flourish as a believer. Uh, my grandmother was very influential in my life. My mamma, she was uh, loved the Lord Jesus and was such a mighty woman of God, and she had a great influence in my life as well. And so uh, that was kind of how I grew up in a small town called Gibson, Alabama. Well, you mentioned a couple of times your work with Campus Crusade for Christ. Did any of that time, did you have any encounter with Vonette Bright? I met her, I mean, you know, and and Bill Bright on many occasions, um, but did not know her personally. Hank got to interview Bill several times uh, before he went to be with with the Lord. Our campus, we were at Troy State University, which was a lot smaller than it is now. Uh, We could not have a staff member. We were too small. So they they appointed Hank and I as the, that's kind of how we got together, really, and started spending time together. And he was in charge of the guys on campus, and I was in charge of the girls. And we were actually under Auburn uh, because it wasn't far from Troy. They, the Campus Crusade for Christ people there, the staff taught us, and then we taught the kids on campus. So we got really involved in that, and it was exciting times. We went to Explo 72. Wow. We'd only been married a week. <laughs> we went to Explo 72, and... That was exciting. Doing the Jesus movement, uh, it was an incredible time. You have several sets of fine china. You have a set of pots and pans and a cast iron skillet that you can cook some of that good old southern cornbread in the oven with. Share your thoughts behind your dishes as it relates to how God has made each of us. I love this illustration. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things that my Bible teacher, Joyce, taught me that is that the body of Christ is not made up of bricks. And if you're going to build a house, most bricks are at least similar. They're almost just alike, really. They're all going to be the same color and everything. But the body of Christ is made up of stones, uh, and stones are all different. If you look at a stone wall, 
probably not a, one stone in that wall is the same. We're living stones, and and we're all unique. He doesn't call us all to do exactly the same thing. And the way that I illustrated it was that I have uh, I have many sets, really, uh, sets of beautiful, fine china, Christmas and Thanksgiving and, you know, just all different kinds of beautiful china. Uh, but I also have cast iron skillets. And I'm not going to cook my cornbread on one of my beautiful pieces of china because it's going to ruin it. And neither am I going to serve you unless we're having a Western theme in a cast iron skillet. Uh, I'm going to serve you on beautiful china. Uh, is one better than the other? Absolutely not. Uh, they're both essential. And so God's gifted us in different ways in the body of Christ. And that's one of the things we taught our boys. One of the chapters in the book is to teach them about their uniqueness, that everybody's different. Even my boys are different. They're nothing alike. Um, And yet they are very much alike because they come from the same family. But but there's a lot of differences in their temperaments, the way they look at life. The things that are important to them are different. Their talents are even different. That's the way it is in the body of Christ as well. And if we're all doing what God's called us to do, it works in a, out in a beautiful uh, symphony. We're not soloists. We want to be a symphony. And so as we're all playing our instruments it's the way God called us to do, uh, even in when the boys were making movies, they couldn't do all the work themselves. They had to bring others in that had a passion to do the same thing they did, and they were talented in different directions. And so for us to remember that, that we're not supposed to be cookie-cutter Christians, that we're going to all be different. Now, are there things that are going to all be the same because we're all in the same family? Absolutely. But God's going to call us to different things. And he does. I love that. There's a chapter in your book, and your book chapters are called Tips. Chapter 6 or Tip 6, whose dream is it? Sheila, how careful do parents have to be to make sure they're not forcing their dreams and desires for their children to attain. Uh, they make sure that they're following God's plan for their child. Absolutely. Uh, because you have to remind yourself whose dream is it. Uh, you know, our children are lent to us for a time, for a time period. Uh, and they are not going to be cookie cutters of us either. Uh, they're going to be different from us. And God's going to put his call in their life, in their heart. And so you need to be very, very careful as a parent to not force feed them and to make them to be who you are, but to allow them to blossom into what God has ordained for them and called them to do and to come alongside and encourage that in them and give them the freedom to uh, bloom where God's planted them and to be who God has called them to be. And so I challenge parents to make sure in that chapter, to make sure that you're not doing that. I think of a, an illustration, I don't think it's in the book, but this was an illustration in my life. Uh, I used to sing, and I wanted to take voice lessons, and my teacher, the voice teacher, said I cannot take her until she's had a year of piano. And so I took piano for a year, and I thought that would be it, that year of piano, because I didn't like piano at all. (laughs) But my mother kept wanting me to take piano. So I took piano for six years. Um, I did not like it at all in those six years, but I did it. I was diligent. So finally, at six years, I sat down with Mom and said, can we have a heart-to-heart? 
And she said, sure. And I said, there's somebody in this room that wants to play the piano, but it's not me. (laughs) It's you. So why don't you take the money that you're investing in me and you go take some piano lessons? Uh, And she did, you know, and she even takes some voice lessons as well. It was a sweet time for us to come to the understanding that this is not my dream. I'm not even gifted in this. And so it's that kind of thing that we as parents, it may be for the daddy that has has played football and then son comes along and really doesn't like football. Right. Um, You know, to let him be who he is. That is so true. Well, there's a chapter in your book that may not be politically correct, even among some Christian circles, that pertains to disciplining your children. You say that in our home, we decided to follow these statements. We will be faithful to discipline our children. Rebellious and disobedient behavior that does not please the Lord will be quickly and consistently stopped, and discipline will occur. Was it difficult to follow through with those directives in your home? That's a hard question. Uh, yes and no. I mean, there were times uh, I was talking to a parent the other day uh, because she felt like she'd done it wrong, and I said it's never too late. Uh, but um, there were times when maybe we'd let something slide and we would be convicted about it. We would see it and we would go back to the children and say, you know, God's convicted us about this and we've not been consistent and we need to ask your forgiveness and we want to start being consistent in this area again. So there were times like that. I think if you purpose in your heart, we call sin, sin. We didn't call it a mistake or a bad decision or whatever. We wanted our children to understand that disobedience was rebellion, disobedience is sin, and that God calls it sin, and so did we, because we wanted to prepare our children to someday come to the cross, to come and need a Savior, to come to the point where they see that they're a sinner, and they need the Lord Jesus Christ, and they need to repent before Him and come to Christ as their personal Savior. That's why we did that. That's why we we wanted them to understand that. And a child that doesn't learn to obey authority is not going to be worth much as he grows up. We're seeing that in our country now. Oh, we are, Sheila, Uh, big time. And and the consequences of that. And I remember one of my sons talking to me about an employee that he was going to have to let go, that he loved dearly because he could not get under his authority in the workplace. What happened, because he said he never learned to be under authority with his parents, and this is a real blind spot for him. And so as parents, we are preparing our children for life, and we're doing them a disservice if we do not teach them the importance of obedience to authority, and we must be willing to discipline them. When John was five years old, he asked you this question, why is Andy getting disciplined less than me? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, yeah, it was so funny. Uh, John, John had come to Christ by that point. Um, but uh, as being uh, ADHD, uh, you know, discipline had to occur a little bit more often for John. Uh, plus, he got four years difference, right? We've right. four-year yeah. uh, gap span. So he said and at that to me, he said, Mom, why is it that Andy gets disciplined so much less than I do. And I said, oh, my goodness, that's such a good question. <laughs> and I said, do you really want to know? And he said, yes. And I said, well, Andy has discovered something. <laughs> if he does not disobey, he does not get disciplined. And he stopped. And it was like that had never occurred to him. 
And, and he looked at me and he said, "I think I can do that." <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and he was a different. He was a different child after that. He learned the uh, secret. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes it takes a little time for that to click in with the kids. You know, if you don't disobey. You don't get disciplined. Yeah, that was a funny question. That was, that was a funny point for our John, but he finally got it. Oh, that's great. Sheila, what did you enjoy most about writing this book, Raising Up Dreamers? Mm, that's a great question. Um, it was so much fun. It was quite a process, but it was so much fun to go back and to see what God did in our family what God did for our sons, and how he did it. To go back through all my notes, Hank and I taught parenting class for a long time called the Christ Centered Home and through our ministry, and then I also taught helping my mom to moms and retreats and that kind of thing to mothers. And so I had all those notes, and as I began to pilot and labor over it and uh, pull things out of old notes and old Bible studies and just memories as God began to remind me of how he had worked in our home through the Word of God, how He had taught us, and how faithful He had been. The journey that my boys, no man could have opened the doors that God has opened for my children. Only God could have done what He's done in my children's lives. And it's been phenomenal as a parent to be able to be a part of that, to watch others be a part of that, and to watch that happen in their lives. So that was the fun part, to get that all into a book. That's all in this book. The book, Raising Up Dreamers, Find and Grow Your Child's God-Given Talents by Sheila Irwin. Sheila, how can our friends get a copy of your book, and how can they follow you on social media? I have a blog, just www.raisingupdreamers.com. I'm also on Facebook, uh, and it's Sheila D. Irwin on Facebook, if you want to friend me on Facebook. Um, It's on Amazon.com. It's a focus on the family book. They're my publisher, but it's on their website, just you know, go to their website, focusonthefamily.com, and go to the store there, and you can purchase it there as well. It's also in Walmart and Books a Million, Barnes & Noble, Target. Most small bookstores, Christian bookstores, care, are carrying it. So there's lots of places that you can buy it. And so please go and get your copy of the book. Then let me know on Facebook how you enjoyed it. That would be wonderful. That would be. Sheila Irwin, God bless you, my dear sister. Thank you for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom to help parents in raising up their dreamers for Christ. Thank you so much for having me. We really appreciate it, Sheila. This has been a great time, and I have had more fun having you on the show today. Thank you so much. Well, praise God. Thank you for having me. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.